appreciated that song this morning, How Precious Is His Name. And uh, Steph and I didn't plan that together. As Today I have a name for you. <laughs> Another name that the scriptures describe our Lord and Savior as that I want to focus on. And if you will, turn, to me, turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. That's Hebrews 2, and our focus this morning will be verse 10. It reads this way. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Let us pray. O Lord, how great thou art, how merciful and long-suffering thou art toward thy people. We thank you, Lord, for thy faithfulness to bring us through another week and, Lord, to bring us here this morning in a place that we come to worship thee. And We pray, Lord, that thy presence will be among us. For you have promised where two or more are gathered in thy name, you would be here in the midst of us. We pray, Lord, for that presence, that presence of power, that presence of love, that presence of mercy. Lord, as many things are going on in our lives and going on in the world and just going on, Lord, we ask that you would cause us to come away. In this hour, Lord, bring us away unto thee, bring us to thy feet, that we may be instructed out of thy holy word of who thou art, that you, Lord, truly are our captain. Explain to us this morning, Lord, what that means, what that entails. And Lord, may you be pleased to make known to us in this hour our calling and our election that is is sure in thee, Lord. May you bless this time for thy glory, for thy name's sake. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In the Song of Solomon, the church describes the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as being altogether loving. I think about that often because the words all together means every way that the church sees Christ working is lovely to them. And that's a big mouthful because sometimes in the providences of life and what goes on in our life here, that's not really what's in our minds. We we don't see them as lovely then. We see things as hard and difficult. We see them as uh, being very trying to our souls. But as our text tells us today, we have a captain. The captain of our salvation. In the Word of God, we have Jesus referred to in many names. I believe there's over 300. Um, We're not going to look at all 300 of them. But we know David and John both referred to our Lord and Savior as the shepherd. We know he's called the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We sang this morning of how precious his holy name is to us. We're told in Acts that there's no other name given under heaven whereby man may be saved. The salvation, as he revealed to Jonah and he revealed to many of his children, is of the Lord. What is that salvation? Is that salvation something done back then that we have no part in today? Of course we have a part in it, as often as he applies himself to us. He makes it real to us. He applies the blood. He shows us the fountain that's open. He shows us the ransom that was paid. He reveals to us everything that is needful in this life and the life to come. How great is his name. How glorious he is. In our text this morning, he's called the captain of their salvation. The word captain means leader, it means commander, it means prince, it means supervisor, it means head. All of these things are used in the Word of God to describe Christ as the head of the church, the prince of peace, the commander of his army. We have this throughout the Word in different forms and different things, and what I believe the writer of Hebrews, which I believe it's Paul. I believe he's trying or making the reference to us that this captain, just like our shepherd, always 
always goes first. He's always out in the front of battle. He's the one who speaks to the child of God and says, I will fight for you. All of our daily needs, all of our soul's needs, all of our physical needs, our captain is the one who provides them. Our captain is the one who is first and foremost in in leading and and taking us to what, what it is that we need. All of our dependency is upon this captain. In the battlefield that we have in our soul, between the flesh and the spirit, it's the captain who leads us to life, who leads us to eternal life, leads us in every battle, puts down and mortifies the flesh, raises up the spirit to reveal to himself, reveal to ourselves himself, to reveal to us Christ. So this morning, if you will, I want to start, I want to read down to our text, and I want to start in verse 5. You know, Hebrews was written to Jews, and and the point that, um, in fact, my Bible says that, the epistle of Paul, the apostle to the Hebrews. So the point of Paul to the Jewish nation is to exalt Christ and the preeminence of Christ. He always pointed to that one, Jesus the Messiah, that came, who laid down his life, who took it up again, who is reigning, who has ascended up into heaven, who is reigning on behalf of his people as our perfect mediator. And it's no different here. As we start to see the book unfold, he compares Christ to the things that the Jews held so dearly to them. And so he just got done comparing him, comparing Christ to the angels. And how much greater Christ is than the angels. They're just ministering spirits. He is life. He is altogether lovely. He is everything. So as we pick up in verse 5, we see the idea that Paul's going on to. He says, For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come. The angels are just that. They're ministering spirits. They don't have the power of eternal life. They do not have the keys to the kingdom. They are not the King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. For He tells us, Unto the angels He has not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. But then He quotes David in verses 6 and 7. And Psalm 8, 4 and 5 is what He's quoting. He says, But one, that's David, in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Is it man? that Christ or the Lord Lord God, the Father, the triune God, has put all things in the hand of man? Is it for man to figure out his own salvation? Is it for man to, to come up and to concoct a way to reach up into the heavens, to ascend up into uh, heaven or the Lord God Almighty? No, we, we know that that's not true. We saw what God confounded the people at Babel. We've seen it all throughout the Word that all throughout these holy scriptures, that God has given the preeminence to His Son, that all things are in His Son. And so He says, but in a certain place He testified, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the Son of man that thou hast visited him? The Son of man was a name given to Christ, and we'll see in verse 7 why, thou madest him a little lower than the angels. That wasn't in rank. That is, that is reference to Him becoming flesh through the assumption of the human nature. And you've crowned Him with all glory. It says you've crowned Him with glory and honor. He came down here in the body that was prepared for Him. And He came down to lay down His life for His friends. He came down to save His people from their sins. He came down to put an end of the reign of wickedness and the devil and the wickedness of hell, and He came to defeat all of those. He came to fulfill the law. He came to put an end to the first covenant, to establish the second. He came to do all of these things in perfection. And He did. And that's what I hope the Holy Spirit hones in on this morning and reveals to us the perfection that's in Christ Jesus. That He did everything perfectly. And you set Him over the works of thy hands, the preeminence that the Father has given the Son. 
He has put everything in his hands. He has given him everything. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. That all things means all things. Death has been defeated by his resurrection. The wicked one has been defeated at the cross. If you ever want to know the wisdom of God, the perfect wisdom of God that's revealed to his children, it's found at the cross. I was thinking about this week. I was thinking about all of the ideas that man has contrived of another way to God. Another way of salvation. And whether it begins in man, whether it it begins in a deity that he's made with his hands, whether it begins in nature, wherever it begins, man's ideas cannot come up with the wisdom of God that he did before the foundation of the world. The wisdom of the triune God to save a remnant of people from their sins. To save the sons of God that he calls them in our text, the many sons of God. And brings them to his feet and converts them and gives them a new life and a new birth. And that new birth is the only way they will ever see Christ reigning. And if you wonder why people you talk to and people don't understand Christ as a sufficiency and Christ as being overall and Christ as reigning, it's because they have not been given the new birth. They have not been given the keys to the kingdom, which is Christ Jesus. They have not been revealed to them Christ Jesus. And so man is left with religion. And that's what Paul is saying. He said, You know, you put all things in subjection under His feet. For in that He put all in subjection under Him, He left nothing that is not put under Him. Nothing. That's nothing for you and I that we can sit back and contrive in our minds and say, did He provide for me this way? Did He provide for my body? Yes. Did He provide for my soul? Yes. Has He provided for me every day that I've lived upon this life, in this life? Yes. Will He provide for my future? Yes. It's assured in Him. Everything has been put in subjection under Him. And you and I today can only see that by the gift of His faith. By the revelation of the Holy Spirit that Christ has put everything under your feet. Every trial, every hardship, every hard thing that we go through, He's reigning over. And He's mastered it. He has put death under His feet. He has put sin under His feet. He has put the wicked one under His feet. He has put all principalities, all rulers, all politics, all diseases under His feet. He reigns. That's that's what He's telling us here. Everything is in subjection to this King. However, the last sentence of this tells us something about the carnality that we still have in this life. But now we don't see. We see not yet all things put under Him. We don't see Him. We do see disease. We do see the wicked one. We do see uh, people, uh, wickedness that seems to be reigning. We see death. We see all of these things with our carnal eyes. And Paul is reminding us and warning us we cannot discern a reigning Lord with our eyes. We cannot discern that Christ is reigning by what we see in this life, in all the providence that He unfolds in our life. We can't see Christ without the Holy Spirit, without faith. Hold your finger here and turn with me over to our first stop today, which will be in 1 John chapter 5. We have a few stops to make. This is the first one. 1 John chapter 5. And John writes this. In this section in 5, mine's called Faith Through the Son. How do we see that all things are put in subjection under Him? Look at verse 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. How do we see that He has the victory? How do we see that He's reigning? How is it that every in every little compartmentalized trial in our life, 
How can we see it as Christ is reigning and that He's brought it for our good? How? Faith. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. This is the victory that overcomes. You want to know how you have victory in our trials? His faith. He must gift that. And it, it, it isn't, will he gift it? No, this is what our Joseph gives us. He opens the, the storehouses. And he gives abundantly. He giveth more grace. He giveth love. He giveth peace. He giveth faith. He giveth everything that we need in this life. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth, what's that? Faith. He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So as every trial comes our way, whatever it is, in whatever manifestation it is, oh, some of them can be so heavy to the soul. It can weigh us down. We're almost to the fact, the point that we just don't believe anymore. We start to worry. We start to complain. We start to say, Lord, this can't be what you have for my life. Because we see with our eyes. We don't see into the heavens. We don't see into the mind of Christ. We can only do that by faith. That's what He says overcomes the world. That's what He says. Who is it that overcomes the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is He that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. We see our, our sanctification. We see our holiness in Christ. We see our justification through the blood of the Lamb. We see our sins taken away by the blood of the Lamb. We see forgiveness by the blood of the Lamb. We see that in, even in our unbelief, He overrules that. He causes us to confess our unbelief and say, Lord, save us. Remember me, Lord. And He does. And He causes that love and that blood to, to uh, go over our soul and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it is the Spirit that bears witness because the Spirit is truth. That's how we know. It's not a faith we can conjure. It's certainly not the world's faith. If anybody ever says that to you, well, you just have to have faith. Well, duh. I think we all know that. We must have faith. That's what overcomes the world. But if you look inside of yourself for faith, you're going to grossly be in trouble. It's not something we can snap our fingers or have, especially when that oven and that furnace and that trial gets hotter and hotter and hotter. He brings us to the end of ourselves. He brings us out of ourselves to trust Him. To trust everything that He says in this Word has happened, will happen, and He has done for us. It is finished. Romans 8.28 is a beautiful passage, but it's a convicting passage. When you're knee-deep in a trial, you don't believe Romans 8.28. When you're in the hardship of it, when you're when you're doubting whether this is good or how it's going to end, and and the wicked one's coming and hitting you with all kind of unbelief in your mind, and he's giving you all kind. Of, what about this scenario? What about this? And you just sitting there at the end of yourself. There's no victory in that. The victory's in our Lord. Who? That's what our text tells us today. He's the captain of our salvation. He brings us through the trials. He brings us through the Jordan. He brings us through to the promised land. That promised land is Himself. That's where we are suckered. That's where we are given love and peace and, and mercy to the One whose mercy endures forever. Let's go back over to our text now. Pick up where we were. And that was, but now we see not yet all things put under Him. But then verse 9 tells us, but we see Jesus. By that faith that He has promised to give, that He has given, that in the, the end of this book He'll tell us how great that faith was that Christ gave to every individual. That's what that whole roll call of faith is. This is the faithfulness of Christ. Christ. 
Not the faithfulness of those people. The faithfulness of Christ to bring them through every one of those trials. That's what this book is all about. That's what this entire book is all about. It's about what the Lord has done for His people. On behalf of His people. And we need to know that. Because every day, every day, the providence that He has ordained for our life will come into our day. He will bring it. That's a, that's a given. As long as we're alive, each day He's ordained will come and unfold the way that He has promised that it would. But all the promises in Him are yea and amen. And He has promised and said there's enough evil in that day, but I'm greater than all that evil. I'm greater than all the unbelief that you can muster. I'm greater than all the tantrums you can throw. I'm greater than all of that. And He is that balm in Gilead. He is that healing balm. That's what the blood is. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. And that's the, Once again, He's reiterating that point. Jesus was made flesh. He came down here. He was made low. For what purpose? To save His people. He had to die. This is why I said wisdom is found at the cross. The wisdom of God is found there. His plan of salvation. There is no other plan. He must die for the sins of His people. He must pay their debt because they cannot do it. He must stand in their place and absorb the wrath of the Father for sin. He must satisfy that justice of the Father. He must. Because we can't do it. He must pay the ransom for all of those sins, all of that debt, debt that we owe. He has paid it all with His blood. That's what we see when the Lord, the Holy Spirit, who's the Spirit of truth we heard, brings us to see Christ and His perfect salvation. And that's, that's what our text tells us today. He, the, the captain of their salvation, perfect through suffering. It's not that He wasn't perfect. But it's a perfect salvation that he wrought out. He was the perfect candidate because he's God and man. You and I, as, as fallen people in our first parents in, in Adam, when he was put in that garden, everything was perfect. And he had, he had the, the choice, if you will, to follow Christ or to listen to the wicked one or to follow what his wife said. And He made that choice for all of us. We are all dead in Adam. We all fell in Adam. The only way back to the Father is through this one perfect mediator who stood in our place. The perfect Lord Jesus Christ who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that He by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Partake in death for every man. That taste means death didn't hold him. We know that. He came up out of the grave. He is our ascended Lord. He is our resurrected Lord. He is reigning today. He tasted death for every man. And He did for every man that He died for. Every one of them. Every man that He died for. All of the elect that were told in ten is the many sons unto glory. And He did not leave one behind. Every one that He died for, that the Father gave Him, that elected before the foundation of the world, He died and His blood is efficacious for every one of them. No matter how horrible their sins are. He should, that He, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. And now we see the background of when we go into our text, what Paul is saying, for it became him. It was beneficial to him. It satisfied the triune God. It satisfied the Father to bruise him. It, it, that's what it says. It became him. It glorified him. The light is shining upon Christ. It was his will to do so. It became Him. For whom are all things? 
and by whom are all things. That reminds me of how Paul ended Romans 11. You remember how he ended Romans 11? He ended it with, for of him, that's of Christ, and through him. So everything's of Christ and through Christ, and let's not forget to him. That's the one thing I think we don't, we don't think about often, that everything is for Christ and it redounds to Christ. It's for the glory of Christ. The saving of every one of His children is the, for the glorification of Christ and the Father and the Holy Ghost. For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. That's what our text is telling us. For whom are all things and by whom are all things. And I think we, we look at that phrase many times and we just gloss over it. It's so big for us. We have finite minds and this is an infinite saying. And so our finite mind takes it and it just kind of glosses over it. Yes, all things are in His hand. Yes, of Him and through Him and to Him. And our little finite minds can only understand that as well as our finite minds can comprehend it. But it's so much bigger than that. The infinite Lord, the infinite grace of the Lord is over all things. Everything is of Him. Everything. We can never look at our lives and we can never look at things and say, my Lord's not in control. Because He is. He has ordained all things for every one of His children. Every individual one. Their walk is different than the one sitting next to them. But all of those paths lead to the same person. Notice I didn't say to the same place. I said to the same person. They all lead to Christ because He's the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews 2, 5, 9 tells us, And being made perfect, He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. He's the author of our obedience. And it's, it's true. That is our responsibility to obey Every day, everywhere you go, when you walk out of here, it is your responsibility to love the Lord, to, to obey the Lord, to do everything the Lord says to do in this book. That is our responsibility as the children of God. But because of Christ, He did it for us. Because the Lord knew we couldn't do it. We're sinful creatures. It doesn't change our responsibility, but the responsibility has been shifted to our head. It's been shifted and laid upon the shoulders of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who obeyed perfectly for us, who is that perfect righteousness that He robes us in, who is our perfect obedience. And the children of God will obey because of the day of His power, because of His power, because of His love, because of His faithfulness. How true that is. Don't ever, don't ever look at obedience as being a bad thing. It's not. It's not. I look at my life every day and I wish I could obey more. I really do. I really do. But I also know what keeps me from it. That wicked nature. That wicked fallen mind that, that wants to listen to Satan and do and have so much unbelief. Praise be to God when we're rid of that. And when He sets up, which He already has, He set up His kingdom in our, on our soul and our mind, when He reveals that, that old nature is just put down and mortified and mortified, and the Lord raises Himself up. But we see Jesus. That's, that's what's different for the children of God. The world doesn't have Jesus. They've got the situation. They've got hope in man. They got hope in medicine. They got hope in their, their financial mind. That's it. But the child of God sees Jesus. He's got Jesus. He's got the captain of his salvation. He's got the, the leader, the commander, the prince. 
Oh, it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. In bringing many sons unto glory. You know, we, we sometimes, when we, we look at our number in here, which is not a big number, and sometimes we feel very small in this world. And I'm talking about being a believer, a Christian in this world. And sometimes we, we think about that and we think, Lord, where are your people? But when you look at scriptures like this, it says he brought many sons unto glory. That's as the sand of the sea, as the stars of the sky was the promise to Abraham. That's how many sons he's brought to glory. Truly, in comparison to wide is the gate, it is less than the reprobate. Absolutely. But it is still many. He has brought many sons unto glory. And I want you to look at that word a minute, bringing. Now why would it say, why would Paul tell us that he's bringing many sons to glory? This captain is bringing many sons to glory. Because we're not going to come on our own. We're not, we're the, we're the, the sheep that follow the shepherd's voice. But it's in the power in the shepherd's voice. It's the power of the captain to bring us along. He brings many sons unto glory. Turn with me, if you will, over to Psalm 45. There's a passage of Scripture here in Psalm 45 that speaks of the church. And I want to read that to you because bringing is brought up three times there in relation to the church. He's done it all. He brings His people to Himself. He brings them to reveal salvation to them. He brings them to the cross. He brings them to the empty tomb. He brings them to the hill to see Him ascended up into heaven. He brings them to see the heavens open that the Lord is reigning as King. Look at verse 13. The king's daughter is what this is referring to. It's referring to the church. That's what we are. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Well, we don't look at that much. We look at ourselves. We say, oh, I'm definitely not glorious within. But this isn't talking about our old nature. This is talking about the righteousness of Christ. We've been washed. We've been made. We've, all our sins have been covered. They've been taken away. They've been removed as far as the east is from the west. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. That wrought gold is his righteousness. It's his holiness. It's his sanctification. It's his justification. She shall be brought unto the king in the raiment of needlework. We will be brought to our king in his righteousness. We will not be brought to the king in our own righteousness. That's a promise. That is the robe that he robes all of his children with. The robe of his righteousness. She shall be brought. It's a definitive bringing. She shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her, all that are in the church, shall be brought unto Christ. They shall be brought unto Christ. I think I, when I read something like that, the virgins, her companions, I always think of, of uh, Naomi and Ruth. I think of how the Lord and the providence brought brought Ruth to Naomi and Naomi told her to go on back. Go on back to your land. But there was something there in Ruth. It's called grace. It's called faith. And she said, no. Your God will be my God. I'll follow you. Wherever you're going, I'm going. What does that? Well, that's the faith of the Son of God. We're brought to the Lord. She was brought out of her circumstance. She was brought out of losing her husband. She was brought out of this, this famine. And look what the Lord's plan was for her life. To betroth her to the one that He ordained. A godly man. One who, who was a picture of Christ in, as Boaz. She shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her, shall be brought unto thee 
with gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. See the emphasis that the scriptures have on on our 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 neediness, our need for our Lord to bring us where He brought me to the banqueting table. His, his banner over me is love. He brings us out of love. He brings us out of necessity. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. It's a beautiful little three verses there that tells us the the surety the church has in their king in him bringing them to him and providing everything that they have need of in himself. All right, let's go back to our text again. in bringing many sons unto glory. And then we get to where we're going to sit for a couple of minutes to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. And as I said, it wasn't it didn't make him perfect. It made him it made the salvation perfect that he that he and the Father ordained before the foundation of the world. He was already perfect. He was the perfect lamb, he was the perfect substitute. He was the perfect everything. He is the head, the leader, the commander. He's fully in charge. We look to Him by faith. Isn't that what the Scriptures tell you? Look unto Him and be ye saved. The only way we can look to that brass serpent sitting on top of that pole and away from the fiery serpent's biteness in this land, figuratively of course, you know what I'm saying, is by faith to be taken out of ourselves to look upon the salvation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is that captain. He is the one fully in charge. He is the one that's all-powerful. He is the one that causes us to look out of our soul unto Him. Verses, scriptures to support our head. He is the head of the body, Colossians 1.18. The church, who is the who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. This is our captain. This is the the one the Lord said, "I will put him in the front of all of my children. He will lead them. He will guide them. He will command them. He will be their commander, and he will do it out of love. He is the head of the body." He is the firstborn from the dead. That's what I'm saying. Everything is assured in our head. Revelation 1.5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince, that same word is captain, and the prince of the kings of the earth. He is the head, the leader, the commander. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. That's the captain of our salvation. He washed us in His blood. Think about that a minute. Take a sea law in that a minute. Because we know that every day we get polluted by this world. And every day we sin. Every day, whether it's unbelief, whether it's anger, whether it's um, whatever it is. Fill in the blank. We have them. But the Lord cleanses us from all unrighteousness. There's a fountain opened. That fountain opened, the Lord brings us to. The captain brings us to and says, this fountain is for you. Let me wash you in this blood. Let me cleanse you from all unrighteousness. John 6.37 says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Why? I'm the captain. They shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. This perfect salvation has been wrought for these many sons. And it's been wrought by our Lord and Savior, our Captain, the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. We love this verse. For thanks be to God which giveth. Notice that's giveth. It's ongoing. He giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, our Captain. He gives us victory through this captain. 
Turn with me over to Hebrews 10. We've got two places to go, and then we'll come back to our text and finish up. Hebrews 10. This is the captain of our salvation. This is the perfect sacrifice being spoken of. Look at verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. That's what he said. He's made little lower than the angels. Why? To assume our nature. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. None of those sacrifices that were ever given by the bulls and calves and pigeons and whatever it is, their blood was not efficacious. That was not the perfect sacrifice. He is the captain of our sacrifice. He is the sacrifice. Then said I, this is Jesus speaking, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. This book that we hold in our hands, these scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, the New Testament scriptures, they speak of the Lord Jesus Christ who came to save His people from their sin. I come to do Thy will, O God. And He did it perfectly. Above when He said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, Thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said I, Lo, I come to do Thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that He may establish the second. He took away the first covenant. It's gone. There's no other, there's no other way to worship God who is a spirit, but in spirit and in truth. We today pray that we worship rightly because Christ is in the midst of us governing the worship, pointing all things to the captain of our salvation. The captain and the, the shepherd of our souls. By the which will we are sanctified, made holy, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Once for all. Now let's go over to Joshua and I'll give you a minute to get there because it's not easy to find. Joshua 5. We have to go here when we're talking about the captain. We... Joshua is waiting, or it's about that time to go to fight the battle of Jericho, and what a battle it was. All they did was uh, march and, and uh, blow some horns, and the Lord showed them the victory in Himself. What a, what a picture that is for us of our captain, the captain of our salvation, who has defeated the, all of our enemies, and we didn't lift a finger. Because he's done it all. Now look at verse 13 in Joshua 5. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, this is before, that he lifted up his eyes and he looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua didn't know who it was. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? You know, sometimes the providence and life of our lives that God is, is working out and doing, sometimes we feel that way. We don't discern His presence. We don't know it's Him doing all things as Romans 8.28 tells us. We think He's, he's frowning toward us. We think he, hard things. We think this is a hard situation, Lord. Are You there? Are You bringing me through this? Is the expected end for me to, to see the glory of You, Lord? Because that's what the trials are for. To see the glory of our risen Lord reigning. Is that what... And that's where Joshua is right now. Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And these, these passages are hard for us because we know Christ in the New Testament. We know the body that was prepared for Him. But when we have these pre-incarnate Christ visits, we're like, well, what did He look like? What? Well, we know He was a man. And He was revealed to Joshua. As, well, we'll just see. And He said, nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. I have manifested Myself to go before you in battle. And I've manifested Myself as the captain of the Lord. That's what He says. 
I am the captain of the host of the Lord. I'm the captain of the Lord's army. If the Lord is for us, who can be against us? And he came in a physical form and he showed himself to Joshua. This one that would be born hundreds of years later. Hundreds. And he says, he says, uh, I am the captain of the host of the Lord and I'm, and I'm now come to reveal myself. And Joshua, what was his reaction? He knew who he was. The Lord, how does he know? By the Spirit of God. How does he know who he's dealing with? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? He fell down and worshipped him. That tells us it's not an angel. Anytime that's happened in the Scriptures, we've heard the angel say, Oh no, don't you worship me. I'm just a messenger. This was the Lord Jesus Christ revealing himself to Joshua. And Joshua revealed, saw him and he fell down on his face and he worshipped him. He said, Oh Lord, what is it you have for me to hear? Everything else now has gone out of his mind. This battle and everything else, he just sees the Lord and he's captivated by him. Lord, what do you have for me? What, what could you say to me? You're my salvation. And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. I just revealed myself to you in this place. What did he reveal to Joshua? Lo, I am with you always. I am with you in battle. I am the captain of your salvation. I am the captain of the Lord's host. And Joshua did so. And we don't hear anything else except Joshua going into battle and leading the people into battle as a type of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But we see the captain of the host revealed. Now, how do we see him today? We see him by faith. That's what we've seen in our passage today. We see him by faith. And that's how he reveals himself today. We must see him that same way in all of our trials. He's faithful to reveal himself in this way. I am the captain of this trial. I'm the captain of this battle. Follow me. I will fight for you. Well, let's go back to our text and we'll read the rest of this chapter. I want, I want to show you how it flows to the captain. I want you to see what he's the captain of as we finish this morning right here in the rest of our text. Make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. That's the oneness we have in the holy. He's the captain of our holiness. He is the captain of, be ye holy, for I am holy. Our holiness is his holiness. He's the captain of our holiness. For both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Why? Because we're made holy in him. We're made righteous in Him. Saying, I will declare Thy name unto my brethren. He is the captain of declaration. He, we must all be taught of the Lord. He is the captain of the declaration of our soul. He's the captain of the voice of our soul. He tells us what we have to hear. And how we're taught of Him is we hear His voice through His Word. He speaks to us through His Word and reveals to us who He is saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. We see all through these few verses here, this oneness of our captain going before us. Just like he mentioned up here in our text, Bringing many sons unto glory. That's what we're seeing here. The Lord bringing His children to Himself. Revealing Himself to His children. And all that God has given me. Our trust. He's the captain of our trust. He's the captain of our faith as we've already said. He's the captain of everything that we have need of. You say, well, there's times I get scared. That big specter in my life is death. There's things that happen to me, believe me, I know it, I feel them every day, and the things that make me worry about things. And all of these things, that big specter's there of death. 
Well, for as much then, look at verse 14, then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself, as our captain, likewise took part of the same. He was made flesh. He took part in death. He tasted death. That through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That's the one that's in our ear telling us, you're going to die. Death is all around you. Fear death. Fear death. And our text tells us that our captain, by tasting death, by coming up out of the grave, by ascending into heaven, by standing and reigning today over all of the earth, over all of the heavens, that he has death in his hand. That he has defeated death and he's defeated the devil, the one who's always using that fear to promote anxiety in our life and fear in our life. So what's the antidote? It's looking to our captain, the author and finisher of our faith. But that's not all. He's not only the captain over death and, and the captain over uh, the, the wicked one, but in 15, and to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to that bondage. That's what death does. It puts us in bondage. Death of ourselves, death of our loved ones, it's bondage. We see that. The wicked one comes in and says, yes, be a slave to that. Look at death. Look at its finality. It's not final for the children of God. It's the beginning of eternal life with our Lord. He's ordained it by coming up out of the grave. He's done it. He's defeated it. He is the captain of our deliverance. All through this passage, He's the captain. For verily, He took not on Him the nature of angels, but He took on Him the seed of Abraham. He is the captain of all the elect. That's what He is. Wherefore, in all things it behooved Him to be made like unto His brethren. It pleased Him that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest. He's the captain of our intercession. He is the captain of our reconciliation in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. You want to know how you have access to the Father and His throne? You have it through the one mediator, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wonder how we have how we could stand before our Father in the righteousness of our captain. The Lord Jesus Christ. For in that He Himself has suffered being tempted, He is able to succor them that are tempted. He is the captain in all of our needs and He's the captain over all of our temptations and all of our sufferings. It's Him. And as He lets those crumbs drop from His table, He is more than enough. May the Lord cause you to cry out to Him and may He reveal to you that He is the captain of your salvation. Dear Heavenly Father, most gracious Lord, have Thy power and Thy clarity for Thy name's sake. For truly, Lord, Thou art worthy to be praised. All honor and glory belong unto Thee. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.